Hello, this is Risky Daoud, Principal Analyst at Mayor Risk LLC and Editor of the North Africa Journal. Today is the 23rd of September 2022, and this episode I discuss how the rivalry between Algeria and Morocco has been intensifying and with and is with no uh, no end in sight. Now the escalating rivalry between these two countries, that is Algeria and Morocco, has had clearly a destabilizing effect on the Maghreb region of North Africa. In fact, I would say that the entire Western Mediterranean region is feeling the impact of these two countries' strange competitive postures. Now, instead of cooperating to improve the living standards of their populations, the two countries have created a toxic environment of sort in the Mediterranean zone allowing human smuggling, illegal immigration, and drug trafficking to overwhelm parts of Southern Europe, to say the least. Now, in general, the rivalry between these two countries is about a small desert region known as the Western Sahara. The Western Sahara is located in the northwest coast of Africa and is part of the Maghreb region as well. It's about 103,000 square miles, or about the size of the U.S. state of Colorado. The region was occupied by Spain until 1975, after the United Nations put pressure on Madrid to disengage from the territory. The UN listed the region as a non-self-governing territory, but Spain handed over the administrative control to Morocco and Mauritania. Eventually, Mauritania gave up any claim on, on the desert land, but the Kingdom of Morocco has had territorial claims over the Western Sahara since 1957. Then emerged the Polisario Front, a nationalist movement demanding the independence of the territory. The Polisario was and continues to be supported by Algeria. Now, this conflict is important because the two countries at stake here are using it to essentially showcase how uh, or who has sort of the biggest clout in the Maghreb region. This is largely because Algiers and Rabat feel that each has what it takes to be the regional power and undermining the other is, is a must. Uh, for Morocco, the issue is, is central to the image of the current royal family originating from the Alawi dynasty. The Alawi dynasty started nearly 400 years ago, but over time it naturally experienced shifting territories based on the geopolitics of the time. After 1912, the Alawis were essentially maintained by the French and the Spanish protectorates as symbolic monarchs until independence in 1956 when Mohammed V regained full position uh, as head of state. Today the Sahara is probably the most important single issue that gets public support for the monarchy. Generally the majority of Moroccans of almost all segments of the population consider the Sahara as part and parcel of their ancestral land. As such the Western Sahara has been almost the only driving factor of Morocco's foreign policy. Almost everything that Morocco does on the international level is to advance its claim on the Sahara. Even the investments its private companies commit in Western, West Africa and in the rest of the continent are essentially tools to influence governments in those regions. So economic policy is used to advance territorial claim. Obviously, the pro-independence movement, uh, the Polisario Front, does not see it that way. Uh, its backer is Algeria. Morocco's neighbor to the east, which has a, a different analysis on the issue. Algeria's leaders 
and they too have the backing of the population, argue that one cannot replace a colonial power, that is Spain, with another colonial power, that is Morocco. They say it is not what Africa wants. The Algerians argue that if the Western Sahara, Sahara freed itself from Spain in 1975, then its population should be granted the right for self-determination. Algeria's argument has been generally well received by Africa's biggest nations, namely South Africa, Nigeria and Ethiopia. They agree, as Algeria does, that the Western Sahara ought not to be annexed by Morocco, a move that would equate to, in their mind, to colonialism. Still, Morocco has been incredibly active and diligent in undermining the Algerian argument by gaining the support of mid-level African nations through active engagement and investments, but more importantly, by getting Donald Trump's attention and support. Well, now Morocco managed to gain traction partly because Algeria's foreign policy initiatives collapsed in the early 2019. The dramatic end of the regime of Algerian President Abdelaziz Bouteflika in early 2019 essentially resulted in the collapse of the Algerian political system that was built by the late president since he became president in 1999. The end of the regime in Algeria was accelerated by an unprecedented wave of public protests that brought millions of Algerians to the street demanding the removal of Bouteflika. Now after the latter was uh, essentially forced out in April 2019, Algeria is essentially governed by the military establishment. Bouteflika's departure did actually not ease the anger of the Algerian people. Instead, what started as a demand for Bouteflika to step down or resign turned into de more democratic demands called the Herak movement. And the Herak movement essentially paralyzed the country for months, at least until the advent of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, during that period, the Algerian regime experienced unprecedented upheaval and worked really hard to survive the Herak. Clan warfare affected relations between the various military leaders and the intelligence services who have always controlled governance in Algeria. Dozens of former ministers, oligarchs, uh, army officers and, 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 and others were essentially sacked and or arrested amid an explosive political environment. The foreign policy establishment in Algeria collapsed as well, and the country essentially lost its diplomatic channels worldwide, while regime operators settled their scores. In this context, Morocco saw an opportunity in a wounded Algeria, and took the lead to get the support of some of the world's most powerful parties. Morocco agreed to join the Abraham Accords if the US presidents were to recognize Morocco's sovereignty over the Western Sahara. And that's exactly what Donald Trump did. In doing so, Morocco now has major supporters in the likes of Washington and Israel, and that would uh, result, obviously, in a more global recognition uh, and acceptance uh, for its claim. It did not take Morocco too long to pressure Spain to also recognize the Moroccan solution to the Western Sahara problem. Madrid has always had a rather neutral stance on the conflict, but pressure from the US and Israel has likely led to an abrupt change in policy, breaking Spain's neutrality in favor of Morocco. Germany, although not involved at all in the crisis, also followed suit and gave Morocco its backing, providing it with an additional diplomatic gain. Now, these gains are clearly signs that the Moroccan di diplomatic machine has executed flawlessly, at least better than Algeria's 
regardless of whether one agrees or not with Morocco. On the Algerian side, things don't look too good. The country has just begun to recover from its Herak years, although the regime of current president uh, Taboon has not received popular backing as he was essentially imposed by the military at the end of 2019, some baby steps are being made to counter Morocco's diplomatic offensive. But in general, the fact that Algeria's chief backer, Russia, is, not labeled as a, is now labeled as an aggressor in the war in, the war in Ukraine, it remains to be seen how Moscow could effectively help Algeria withstand the Moroccan diplomatic consulate. But inside Algeria, the diplomatic machine still remains in deep trouble. This is because what used to be the domain of the foreign minister, foreign affairs is now increasingly the domain of the military and intelligence services, creating divisions and conflicting interpretation of global geopolitical issues. For example, while international issues ought to be the prerogative of the foreign minister, the Algerian military recently appointed General Abdelghani Rashdi, formerly head of domestic intelligence, to become director of foreign intelligence, known as the General Directorate for Documentation and External Security, or DDSC. This has happened as President Boone has reportedly worked to sideline his foreign minister, Rabtan Lamamara, with the latter believed to be a potential competitor to Taboon in the next presidential election. The appointment of General Rashdi to head foreign intelligence and drive foreign policy was an unprecedented and intriguing event after General Rashdi initiated the reconciliation process launched by Algeria between the two feuding Palestinian factions of Fatah and Hamas. So this event shifted the Algerian intelligence agency's focus from data gathering and analysis to directly working in foreign policy. General Rashdi also organized a state visit to Algeria's of the Ethiopian president and had proposed a strategic rapprochement between the two countries, essentially to thwart Egyptian ambitions in North Africa and torpedo the Rabat-Cairo alliance, which has been formed since 2021 to prevent Algeria from strengthening its influence in the region. But inside the Algerian regime, whether inside the military or the presidency, there are too many people involved in foreign policy, creating major distortions and imbalances. In this context, Algeria is currently poorly equipped today to confront a very disciplined Morocco, which is getting uh, its political backing from heavyweights like Washington and Israel. Now, while Algeria and Morocco are facing off on the diplomatic front, they have also been busy working to neutralize each other on various other areas. In the energy sector, for example, Morocco has been on the offensive to convince Nigeria that it is a more reliable partner than Algeria in building a gas pipeline aimed at bringing Nigerian gas to North Africa and Europe. Nigeria and Morocco are still looking for funds to finance this giant project that involves a pipeline that would cross 11 countries, many of which face some serious domestic security problems. But since the start of the Russian invasion uh, of Ukraine, Africa's gas reserves have been attracting more attention, with the European Union in particular seeking alternatives to its uh, gas supply from Russia. Now, four years ago, King Mohammed VI of Morocco and Nigerian President Mohamed Buhari agreed on a project to transport gas along the Atlantic coast uh, for over more than, than 3,000 kilometers. 
An agreement between the two countries were first signed in 2016, and although there has been no traction since then, Morocco has recently been active to try to persuade Nigeria not to go along with Algeria. The latter has a deal with Nigeria and Niger. Um, so Algeria and Nigeria are separated by Niger to also channel Nigerian gas to Europe. That's a 4,000 kilometer gas pipeline project called the Trans-Saharan Gas Pipeline, or TSGP, stretching from Nigeria to Algeria via Niger, which has stalled for a long time and has been recently uh, reignited owing to shifting global gas market. Still, Nigeria does not hide the mistrust of the TSGP due to funding difficulties aff affecting the first part of the pipeline, roughly 614 kilometers on, on the Nigerian territory. Now, while the, this rivalry between two neighbors whose population profiles are identical from a cultural perspective and linguistics to religion and ethnicity and even on population side is perplexing, their feud is also affecting the entire region. Setting aside the practical aspect of illegal immigration, people smuggling and drug trafficking, there are other things that matter. For example, the diplomatic row has erupted recently between Morocco and Tunisia, caused by the hosting in Tunis of Brahim Ghali, the head of the Polisario Front. By hosting the head of Algeria-backed Polisario Front, Tunisia became the target of Moroccan anger, just as it did with Spain and Germany. The photo of Tunisian President Qais Saeed welcoming the president of Polisario Front when he got off the plane on August 26-22 was widely shared on social networks and commented by the press in North Africa. The two men subsequently met in the presidential, the presidential lounge at Tunis Airport according to the same protocol as that reserved for heads of state uh, who came to attend the, then the Tokyo International Conference on the Development for Africa, which was held in the Tunisian capital. First published on Facebook uh, on, on, on the Facebook page of the Presidency of the Republic of Tunisia before being removed, the images provoked uh, Rabat's anger and aroused questions and astonishment among Tunisians who were aware of the sensitivity of the issue in Morocco. It's not so much Barahim Ali's participation in, in the summit that was called into question, even if Tunisia does not recognize either the Polisario Front or the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic, or was self-proclaimed in 1976, but anger was about the level of, and quality of welcome that, uh, that was given to, to its leader. The effects of the Moroccan anger were immediate, resulting in the, in the recall of their ambassador and, and the announcement of the cancellation of their participation in the summit. The next day, as a reciprocal measure, Tunisia also recalled its ambassador explaining that it was acting in, in respect, and I'm quoting here, in respect for United Nations and African Union resolutions, end of quote, adding that, quote, contrary to what was said in the Moroccan declaration, the, uh, the, the Sahrawi government had received a direct invitation from the president of the African Commission and not from Tunisia, end of quote. The Tunisian diplomatic struggle in its confrontation with Morocco is interpreted by several analysts as the result of its strengthening relations with Algeria. Some accuse Tunisia of breaking its neutrality in the Western Sahara conflict, while it is still unclear whether Tunisia broke with its traditional stance of neutrality, there is certainly a consensus among analysts that this diplomatic incident shows that Algiers and Rabat intend to prolong their conflict with, uh, by involving other regional actors. 
Their conflict centers around the issue of who controls regional influence and who would project such influence on the rest of the vast African continent and in the Western Mediterranean Sea as well. But beyond this diplomatic row involving Tunisia, this incident shows the, the difficulties of a country like Tunisia to maintain its, its distance and neutrality in the, in the Western Sahara conflict. For many Tunisians, Kais Said was wrong to take the country out of its neutrality. They referred to his predecessors who realized that Tunisia had nothing to gain from involvement in this crisis, pitting the two other Maghreb states. Even as recently as June 2017, the Tunisian political leaders refused to side with any party in the feud. That year, Yusuf Shahed, the then young prime minister, traveled to Morocco to co-chair with his counterpart, said Dino Othmani, the 19th session of the Tunisian-Moroccan Joint High Commission. It was a working visit punctuated by the signing of several cooperation agreements, the purpose of which was, and I'm quoting here, to enrich the legal framework which organizes relations between the two countries through the ratification of legal documents, end of quote. The climate was relaxed, Tunis having voted a few months earlier, in January 2017, the return of Morocco to the African Union. However, while uh, a meeting with King Mohammed the sixth was scheduled at the end of the visit, it was cancelled at the last minute on the pretext of an illness suffered by the king. In reality, this change in the program was due to differences of opinions between the two parties on specifically on the Western Sahara. The Moroccans included a paragraph in a final communique stating that both parties recognize Morocco's sovereignty over the Western Sahara. Yusuf Shahed obviously refused to sign it and opted for maintaining the principle of neutrality dear to Tunisia. But Morocco and Algeria did not give up, do not give up their ambition to sway Tunisia one way or the other. In 2019, when Tunisia was elected by the United Nations General Assembly as a non-permanent member of the Security Council for a two-year term, there was a race between Morocco and Algerian foreign ministers on who would congratulate the Tunisian counterpart first. Silly things. Really silly things. Subsequently, a press release specified that the wishes of Abdelaziz Balkhadem, the Algerian representative, present then in New York, preceded those of Nasser Bourita by a few minutes. And the final last is the aggressive stances of Algeria and Morocco makes stability and development in North Africa virtually impossible. The Western Sahara conflict, which officially started in June 1970, is more than 50 years, 52 years old and is now without global interest in solving it. Algerians and Moroccans will not likely see eye to eye on the issue of how to solve this crisis for a long time and will likely remain disruptive forces for their own people and for other people in the region. Thank you for listening and until our next talk, thank you and goodbye.